Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me and tuning into this podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast is here to open your awareness. I want to provide you with tactical teachings on how to master your mindset, create your ideal reality, overcome obstacles, and leverage adversity. And most importantly, it's to help you realize that you are in total control of your reality. My hope? To inspire and motivate you to keep going, and no matter what, it's all about mind over matter. Be sure to check out my website, heatherhakes.com, for freebies and other learning opportunities. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 235. Today's interview is all about pursuing your dreams and the basis and understanding of the theory of the mind. Welcome to today's interview. I've brought on Robert Radnoti. Robert, welcome. Thank you. I'm a pleasure to be here. Give the listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? Well, I live in Malibu, California right now, right on the beach. And I've been running every day during this quarantine, but don't get mad at me. No one's out there. And uh, my background is my last job I left um, last April was uh, the head track and field and cross country coach at Pepperdine University. I did that for the last uh, 14 years. And prior to that, I worked for Exxon for 25 years as a chemical engineer. And so I've got some interesting experiences. Well, and one thing I love is, and I've had many guests from the Tony Robbins community, that's something I first got into, actually. It was the fall of 2017 and kind of more or less drank the Kool-Aid. I, I attended like nine events, and, wait, seven events in nine months. And I just, I love that community and the high vibe and surrounding yourself with like-minded people. And I know you're a part of that. But even before your Tony days... If we could go back to your when you worked at ExxonMobil and because you, you love cross-country and running, what was like the initial catalyst to kind of take control of your own life? Oh, that's a really good question. Exxon actually is very, very good about personal development with all their employees. And when I was a young engineer, they brought in a program called Investment in Excellence. And that was my first exposure to personal mm-hmm. development. It was a six-day class, three days, and then you You go practice uh, for a month and come back with three full days at the end. And it was an affirmation process and a goal setting process. And you you created these three by five cards and you wrote your goals on this in a three part way, which were really powerful. I still use today. So they were as an example. And I was a young engineer. I wrote this goal. I wrote 57 of them. And now all 57 as of last month have come true. But they were written as... Um, because I say pursued a college coaching job, I am a head coach at a, a division one university and that makes me feel like a champion. So there's three parts to it. And I wrote those and I had no business, um, setting a goal when I'm at Exxon to become a, a college track coach and it happened. So that was my first exposure. So wait, I, I've never heard this before. What is this three step process? It's an affirmation process. So Tony uses an incantation process Mm -hmm. where you sort of declare, I am courage, I am love, and you yell and scream it into your body. He believes that that's the way you get it into your physical body. The investment and excellence process is a little bit different. It's a three-part process where the first portion is sort of a 
declaration of an action. So, for example, because I uh, pursued or um, was looking at the uh, job postings for college jobs, I, and then the second part is whatever the goal actually is, I am, in past tense, I am a Division One track and field and cross-country coach. And then the third piece is really important. That's the feeling. And that makes me feel like a champion or like I'm an accomplished person or a contributing member of society, whatever it is. So that's their process um, to make change and to, to actually accomplish goals. I love that. And I don't know if you're familiar, I imagine, but Bob Proctor, he always says, I'm so happy and grateful now that... And it's mm-hmm. just stating whatever you desire that it's already happened and then believing it more or less. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's so many different processes to make change. And, you know, the one I'm in now is I, I've actually left Pepperdine University to become a hypnotherapist. And that's an incredible process where you actually help people slip into their subconscious. And then you make these suggestions then become real. So you don't have to yell and scream them into you. They are rewired into your subconscious. And it's just incredibly powerful. Oh, but that's fascinating. So go back, and you said, wait a minute, you've done 57 of these, and how many years did it take for these all to come? Well, I had 57 goals that I I, um, wrote that first time back when I was 25 years old, and um, most of them happened in the the next two or three years. Um, The last two, one was to become a college track coach, that happened 14 years ago, and then the final one was to actually write a book, and just last uh, month, I finished my first book. I've got six more on the way. And so I've done them all. That's amazing. Okay. So take us back to your Exxon days and you already shared the story with me, but you, you go out on a run on a Sunday morning. What happened? Yeah. So, um, I was really involved with corporate running. You may not believe this, but Corporate running used to be a kind of a big deal. And when I graduated from college, there weren't very many post-collegiate opportunities for running um, that there are today. And Bob Anderson from Runner's World, he started something called the Corporate Cup Relays. And it was corporations. So I was the captain of the Exxon team and AT&T and IBM and General Electric. They all have big corporate track teams. In fact, the first uh, world championships were held at Stanford University. There was 107 corporations there and um, 10,000 people was a big deal. And I got really involved with that and eventually formed a nonprofit corporation called the United States Corporate Athletics Association to keep the corporate cup relays going after Bob Anderson had to sell Runner's World because he was going through a divorce. And then I ran the Corporate Cup Relays for my home for another 17 years as chairman of the board and put on five of the world championships. So I was real involved with running. Um, Exxon, truthfully, it was like I wasn't really wanting to be a chemical engineer. I wanted to be a runner and a coach. And eventually that led to this Sunday that you referred to where I had read the uh, local newspaper and the local high school coach had resigned. And I knew him from my track club. And the, the more I ran on this 12-mile run, the more I decided that's what I really want to do because I just love running and coaching and organizing. And I decided that's what I wanted to do. Um, Exxon had just announced a new policy where they, you could adjust your work hours. And so I thought I'd just adjust my work hours so that I could be finished in the afternoon and go coach these young people. And I got home and I told my uh, wife at that time about it. And she said, 
that's a great idea. I read the same article and you were meant to do that. Everything is always happening for you, not to you. That's probably the first time I really felt that. And so I called up my friend, Jack, and he said, no one's in line to take that job yet. So I'll help you get it. And of course I got it. And uh, then uh, went to Exxon and said, I want to adjust my work hour. So start at five o'clock in the morning, be done at two. And then I'll go coach. And uh, they didn't like that idea. They said uh, we meant like plus or minus about a half hour or so. And so I just said, okay, well, I quit. And uh, um, I decided to just become a high school track coach for $2,000 a year. And my wife didn't have a job, but fortunately I was making money day trading at that time. And uh, that ended after six months. But also, fortunately, a rival oil company hired me as a consultant. And I only had to work three or six hours a day and tripled my salary and got to be with these kids and build a special program at Thousand Oaks High School. Two, well, so I have one question for you. First of all, what do you love about running? Why is that your passion and driver? Oh, that's an interesting question. I guess... It's really the, I'd like to say it's the freedom of running on the trails, especially all the trails that we've got around here and just that freedom. But honestly, if I'm honest, I learned this in Tony Robbins world when we got to our primary question, I love competition and whatever it is, whether it's sport or whether it's having the best lawn in the neighborhood, the greenest grass, my primary question is how do I win this? And it's just part of who I am. So competition. I think that's a lot of people's drivers. And so what I want to ask you is that, you know, was that the first time that you really followed that nudge and like your heart's passionate desire, even though you didn't have a plan, you didn't have big income coming in. And then how has that worked for you all these years? Well, I don't know if it was the first time. It's the first time I could trace back because I honestly, I think my life's been always pretty guided. Um, but how it worked now is it really opened my mind. I think that's about when I read Celestine Prophecy, and it was about opening your mind and opening your eyes that there's opportunities around all the time, and all we have to do is turn on our reticular activating system. It's a portion of our brain that uh, um, acts almost like an executive secretary to block out things that aren't important to us and allow the things that are important to us now in. And I think I've, I've developed that now where I see opportunities all the time and can make choices about whether to pursue them or not. And life has become amazing because of that. Well, I think that's a phenomenal analogy. And the thing is that op- opportunities are always there. It's just whether or not we're looking for them or open to them. So how would you suggest to somebody to kind of remove the blinders or to get out of a limited perspective and step into opportunity and limitless? Well, that's an interesting thing. It depends on the person because, you know, some people have a growth mindset where it's easy to get there. Other people have a fixed mindset where it's not so easy to do that. So I guess my answer today would be go to a hypnotherapist like me. and We could change that. Um, because it does take some fundamental changing, um, particularly if you've got a fixed mindset to do that. Yeah. And actually I read a lot about that. Um, Carol Dweck has her book on mindset, all about fixed and growth mindset. And exactly, but even then, don't you think that changing your mind, isn't it choice? Even if you have quote, a fixed mindset, as long as you have that inner drive and a desire to want change in your life. Isn't it still possible? 
it, it oh, certainly is possible, but, you know, people with fixed mindsets and or um, quite truthfully, a lot of people um, aren't sure whether they're worthy of whatever their goal is. And, and that's why hypnotherapy is actually so powerful because about 80% of people actually don't feel they're worthy of a lot of different things, whether it's love or a career or money or whatever. And they bring themselves back down to the level that they actually think that they deserve. It's all in the subconscious, the more and more I learn about this. So whether you've got a growth mindset or a fixed mindset, you really do have to work on those beliefs. And there's a lot of ways to do it. Like within the Tony world, you yell and scream it into your body. In the hypnotherapy world, you drop into hypnosis and you suggest it. In the affirmation process that we talked about with investment excellence, you write out goals in a three-part way, but really emphasize the feelings. So feelings drive, you know, actions and then results. Yeah. Well, and ultimately what you're talking about with the subconscious mind, isn't most of that, it's all conditioning. So it's our, from our environment and growing up, which create our beliefs and Okay, so there, there's something that we teach, I teach, called the theory of the mind. And what it shows is that your mind, when you're first born, just a little sliver of your mind has been developed. And all it knows is fight or flight. And as you're, you're growing up, you're right, from about um, birth through about eight years old to puberty-ish, you have a lot of experiences, thousands of experiences, and many if not most of them are stored in your subconscious. So you have some positive experiences and you have some negative experiences, but they're buried in your subconscious. You don't know that they're there. That's pretty much when your subconscious is formed. And then they impact us when we show up in life. We go, well, why is that? Why did I do that? And oftentimes that's when there's this learning and recognition, but it's tough to change those things. They are, yes, coming from your environment, um, unknowingly from a parent or a teacher or coach said something and it's stored in your subconscious and they impact us. So as adults, we go through personal development and other kinds of things to rid ourselves to those things or to recondition or rewire our brains. And there's just, you know, as each and every year, there's more and more powerful techniques and tools and experts out there. They're showing us how to do that. Okay, I have a very interesting question for you, and this is going to be very new because it's something I literally just learned about last night. So most people, especially in the coaching world, where my experiences, let me just say that, my experiences have always been because we understand subconscious programming. And so a lot of people, it's like you want to go back to that very first event where the thought happened, where you created the belief, and you want to like uproot it and plant new seed. And I do think that's very powerful and beneficial so that you, you can more or less like create a new blueprint. But this is a very interesting perspective I want to ask you on, which I heard last night from Kyle Cease. Are you familiar with Kyle Cease? Yep. Yep. Okay. So those that aren't just really quick, he used to be 20, 25 years, Hollywood comedian, top of his game. And now he's more or less a, a combination of like an Eckhart Tolle and a Jim Carrey. Yes. So he still has the humor, but he's like, his whole brand is evolving out loud. And so something he shared last night, I was like, whoa, I never heard that, but I, I love that. He's been sitting himself through three and four hour meditations just to listen to silence, just to bring up all the chaos and, and the monkey mind and to let that all kind of dissolve. So what he shared was that most people, like what we're talking about subconscious is that we've created these patterns. 
And what we want to do when we have the thought, oh, I want to fix that thing, or I want to change that thing, that's actually also a pattern that you're wanting to fix things. And so he said, if you can just allow real, like be observant and aware of these patterns of the subconscious thinking and wanting to change them, and then not give either of them attention to just... I don't even know if I can explain that well, but what are your thoughts on that to not even try to? Yeah. So um, kind of adding on to what Kyle also said is that every time you think about that past, you're rewiring that into your, or you're having that same experience. So you don't always want to go back to the past. So now what Kyle's describing, I'm sort of into uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza right now, and he considers that the void and and only the voice that he could say. And it's it's a place of nothing and nowhere and no thought. And I guess what I believe now is that we can always put new thoughts in and actually build upon the things from the past. We can go back and look at the past and rewire that, but there's the danger that you're going to just strengthen that. Building from where it is is a very powerful technique and tool to use now too. And this place of being in the void or nothing or meditation, I think what it does in in studying uh, Dr. Joe and his quantum physics of the mind, what you're doing is you're turning on sort of this radio signal outside of your your body and you you're bringing your vibration level higher and higher and then you're actually attracting more and more things to yourself that are sort of what you need in your lifetime based on kind of what you want to become it's it's, it's really complicated this quantum physics of the brain I'm, I'm really fascinated by it now and it aligns really well with the hypnotherapy work that i'm doing I totally agree. And I'm actually currently in the middle of an 800 page book, which I've never picked up before, but it's about trans surfing, which I'm su- super new to this, but it's a lot of quantum physics and metaphysics and theory. And okay. But what, what you just shared there, I think that's also um, an amazing technique. So are you saying that rather than give energy and thought to trying to fix the past, instead go all in on and in, in focus and only on what you desire and want? Is that what you're saying? Well, it de- depending on a, the person, okay? So I'm saying that there's a risk in going back that you can reinforce that. Another strategy could be just to build new muscles and new techniques and new expectations on top of that that become more and more powerful. And then your mind actually fuses with that and creates new neurons and that you go in that direction. I think that that's a very powerful way to do it. Okay. So something, a visual that just came to me is more or less thinking of each day as a blank slate rather than full of all the yuck from the past. Each day is this blank canvas, like paint what you want. Um, you know, one of the statements that I have, I think it's on my signature line on, on emails, is that today is the best day ever again. And that best day ever again, you set this intention that whether it's a blank slate or it's a little bit 
filled in slate. If you just set that intention that today is the best day ever again, each and every day, it opens up your mind to seeing more and more things. And that before you know it, you have created the best day ever again. So I'm curious for you, what do you have a morning routine or what are you doing to consistently build this belief muscle? Okay. Um, actually, I have a lot of routines right now, but the biggest one that I'm really consistent at is something called morning pages. And this comes from Julia Cameron's work in what's called the artist way to open up your creativity. So every morning, kind of the first thing, I write three pages in a journal of whatever comes from my brain. And amazing things happen and creativity just explodes in this process. I highly recommend this to anyone. I did this, I started this two years ago. I discovered this book and it's like the 25th year anniversary edition of it. It's called The Artist's Way. And what she believes is that all of us were born with a creative um, portion of ourselves that was sort of taken out of us for many of us. So I don't play a musical instrument. I'm not an artist. I don't write. I don't do all those things. And I can actually remember back to a teacher, for example, saying that that's the worst thing I've ever seen written. And so I did become a writer. And she believes that God actually instilled this creativity each and every person. And she's got this process to bring that creativity back. So I started this two years ago in Thanksgiving, and within a few months, I had bought myself an electric guitar and was taking lessons. I wanted, before I die, I want to be able to play, play Free Bird by Leonard Skinner. And I started art lessons. Um, I went to the local um, place and started making art. And literally, I could only draw circles. And actually, here, this is my second piece. It's kind of cool. I draw my our little puppy. Wow. And this is my second piece. And literally, it started out with, Circle, circle, circle things. And after two hours, it turned into this. And I took a writing course by uh, James um, Patterson and started writing books. And now I've got seven in the works. One of them's completed. So it's just a really powerful process to um, become more and more creative. So what would you say ultimately, maybe back in your Exxon days or wherever you want to go to, what used to be your driver versus today? what kind of like space are you living from? I guess my driver back then was hmm, just wanting to be the best I could be, but not really knowing what that even meant. Um, Today, I've got so many tools and techniques that I'm strategic and uh, purposeful Mm. about almost everything I do, but mostly, like Kyle said, is surrendering, surrendering to what the world is bringing me. And this last year, I couldn't even imagine how magical it's been. In fact, this coronavirus is kind of interesting because I was getting ready to go on a two and a half month world travels, including I was going to be a senior leader for Tony in Australia. I was going to David Data, and he does the way the superior man and all sorts of great ventures. And when the virus hit, all of a sudden, one's canceled after the other. At first, I was kind of bummed. I go, okay, what is happening? This is happening for me. I know it was. Mm -hmm. And so 
it, it worked out really well because my hypnotherapy school was actually getting ready to expel me because I've exceeded the uh, leave of absence policy. By the way, Joe Dispenza graduated from the, the same school. It's the, it's the best school in the entire world. And um, so because of that, I had to just kind of stay here in Malibu and I started catching up on my classes because I was six months behind and I did 300 hours worth of classes in the last month and started clients one of the, my goals was to be able to do hypnotherapy from anywhere in the world. So my goal is to live in three or four places in the world, kind of tropical where I can stay warm, like here in Malibu. And uh, I wasn't sure that you could do it over or Zoom or Skype or whatever. Now we forced to have to do that. I've got 25 clients worldwide. Yesterday, I had a client from Belgium, Mexico, Australia, one in the US and one from Turkey. And literally... When this is over and the world sort of comes back to whatever the new normal is, I will be able to live any place in the world and do hypnotherapy. And it's just amazing. It happened for me. For sure. And that's it all comes from perspective rather than you sitting in the poor me. It's like, oh, wait, wait. Now I get to use this time productively. And that's amazing. So then question for you. What is one key takeaway you want listeners to get from our conversation? Well, just to, to dream and then pursue your dreams and however that means for you, whether you've got uh, a fixed mindset or not, start that journey if you're not already on that journey of growth and just open your mind to whatever's coming your way and say yes more often than not. Yes. Yes, I love that. Okay, so then I have a few rapid fire questions I'd like to ask you to wrap up today's interview. The first one being, what is a quote or motto that you live by? Uh, Today's the um, best day ever again. Yes. Signature line. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Ooh. Well, I just read The Hypnotist Love Story. It was a fun book. I usually don't read too many fun books. I'm usually reading other kinds of things. Um, Well, for women, for women, this is just an absolute must. Alison Armstrong, Key to the Kingdom and then Queen's Code, and then for men, um, David Data's The Way of the Superior Man, although you got to read it twice to really get it. And why those two? Um, it, it really gives you a good sense for the differences between men and women that we don't realize, and in all the things we're doing now, um, whether it's a, a company or a team or a relationship we're interacting between men and women. And I see so many people get into trouble because we think that the other sex thinks the same way we do and they don't. Men, for women out there, we are not just hairy women or hairy men, something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think I haven't read the book, but I remember I was born in the mid eighties, but growing up, my mom had the book, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And so I think for decades or ages now, we've been trying to understand like, yeah, I, I, I've heard about those forever. So I'll definitely check them out. Final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self? Uh, to go for it sooner than later. So I feel like I've come, for example, to the Tony world much later in life. And I just wish I would have done that when I was 25 years old. Don't wait. Invest in yourself. Agreed. hundred percent. Robert, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your wisdom. 
It's my pleasure and honor. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. To connect with me even further, follow me on Instagram at heather.hakes. You can find me on YouTube to get even more information and video content. And my website, heatherhakes.com. I'll catch you on the next episode.